Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers, hosted by me, Patrick, and my co-host, Ruben, or Barefoot Farmer. It's episode 12, and it's our first uh, post-homecoming, post-change podcast about this draft format. So for those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. So this week, we're going to do our card of the week. We're going to do a seven-win run breakdown from all the decks that got submitted, and we've gotten eight, 28 decks so far. Ooh. And then we're just going to discuss our thoughts and how we're doing in this format uh, for the main topic, and then we'll review a draft that I did earlier today. So to begin with, how was your draft week, Ruben? It was okay. <clears throat> um, I'm taking it nice and slow because I, I'm not <laughs> ready to spend a ton of money on constantly drafting at this point. But um, every time I'm able to, I'm immediately uh, running one. And so far, it's been a lot of fun, but uh, frustrating as well. It feels like a, we're, we're all kind of drafting similar decks, just with worse influence, <laughs> is what it kind of feels like. But it's I'm still excited about it because it's kind of unexplored territory and <clears throat> there's a lot of interesting decision points now with especially the the changing of the pick order I found is is the most influential um, change of them all really as far as how to approach the draft format it seems like it's it's completely kind of flipped things for me at least I don't know how, how was yours what have you been up to? I've been, um, yeah, I've been doing okay. I, I've done about five or six drafts now, and I think all, all but one of them I've just drafted and staunchly refused to believe that the draft format has changed. And then, so I've been drafting a lot of three, four color decks still, just with worse fixing, as you've been saying. I think I've been doing pretty well. Uh, I did have one. 03 in there that just didn't feel great but i've been you know doing pretty good but it's kind of interesting because i started this week pretty pretty down you know after the draft changes pretty down on some of the direction they went um especially i think everyone can agree taking the strangers out felt a little weird and then going on like reddit and twitch where everyone was really down on the format for a while. And then it felt like for a couple days, queue times were really long and I was getting pretty bummed out and we weren't getting a lot of submissions. But then in the last couple days, um, I talked to a couple of streamers and they kind of, even though they were initially down on the format, have are now saying that it's not as bad as they initially thought. And then we started getting a ton of submissions I started doing better, which always helps me <laughs> like the yeah. better. And so <clears throat> I'm I'm definitely heading in a positive direction in the format because I like the fact that even though they're worse decks, you can still draft sort of an old style three color deck and um, have success with it. And uh, we'll talk about this more later. Um, but I think our submissions so far and. We don't have, you know, a ton, uh, not like the 200 we had before, but, you know, we are still seeing that pattern where 
there's kind of like a bifurcation in the deck lists that we receive. We're either getting like two color, heavy tribal synergy, or very similar to last format, like kind of three colors, kind of splishy splashy decks too. Yeah. So, I'm glad to see that both styles are viable so far. And, you know, neither one is sort of, we're not dominated by tribal, which is what I was worried about initially. Yeah, it seems like you can go multiple directions. They didn't, they didn't force you into any tribal lane. They just wanted to kind of add those as new elements to your deck design. Mm-hmm. Although I do feel like if you're, if you're misreading it in this format, you can end up with a much worse deck than before. Um, I think the the potential for train wrecks is much higher, but I, you know that could be largely because it's new territory and we're all kind of still figuring things out and experimenting a little bit with it and seeing like what is possible. And I, I think that that can potentially lead you to having some messed up decks. But I also think that just in general, like a mis misread signal in this format can can really hurt you a little more because the the fixing really isn't as good so if you spend too much time i i just started off a draft recently with like a red card and then somebody passed me a feeding time pick two and i'm oh so i should just jump into felon colors too i can splash those surely i'll just i'll just set fixing as a high priority and the next card was like a really good time card and i was like oh now i got a great time (laughs) so i'm art i'm four colors three packs three picks in and that's just not really a thing that can be consistently done now because whereas before in the previous format it felt like you could just prioritize fixing you know a little more or less depending on where your deck was at and that's not as reliable of a strategy right now yeah and i've i've found the fixing at least in my few drafts to be very feast or famine you know like I got like a last pick Bannerman or something in one of my drafts and it just felt, you know, and then there's other drafts where I don't see like a single on color banner and I'm just like, well, this draft is not going to work because I have yet to see (laughs) any, I have zero ability to play any of my cards. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, and and some of our seven win lists don't have good fixing. It's just, Mm -hmm. It's a matter of kind of the the dice roll at that point, kind of whether or not you get screwed over three or four games or, you know, right. get your third loss that way or not. Because, you know, more often than not, you're going to draw, you know, one, hopefully one influence of each type throughout the first several turns. Um, but that doesn't, that's, you know, far less likely with certain lists. And... Yeah, I mean, they they added some fixing here and there, actually. I'm pretty sure they they threw in, like, some certain uncommon fixing cards and even, you know, like, uh, was it Diplomatic Seal and the the creature type one, I know. Um, There's, they've, so they, they threw in a couple extra tools for fixing here or there, I think. Um, But I don't think that quite makes up for strangers they were an integral part of the previous format yeah they added uh, 
Yeah, diplomatic seal, common cause, and the um, veteran strategist. Yeah. Not a particularly awesome card. Yeah. It's, it's okay. I mean, it, you can, that, that card slots really nicely into a control um, deck with multiple colors and removal. Yeah, that card has been wrecking me because I keep drafting these pretty low-to-the-ground fire-based decks, and then someone drops a veteran strategist, you know, and I'm just like, well, I can't deal any damage to them for, for a while now. Yeah, it's why Scaly grew on is sometimes a very critical piece to your puzzle. Card, cards like that can really do great things if you... Yeah, well, I mean, it would have been great to get a strategist after that draft example I gave you of, you know, first pick red removal, second pick feeding time, third pick, like, scorpion wasp or something, you know. <laughs> and that type of deck of veteran strategists is exactly what you want. Yeah, so I, so I think you're, you're going to have to be a little more flexible to be honest with the new format that you, you have to your repertoire for the different types of decks. Like we used to talk about has just <clears throat> kind of multiplied in weird ways for me, adding these extra tribal elements to be as we'll get into. So let's just jump right into our card of the week too. And I think we both chose a shield. Um, yeah. So I uh, chose line breakers shield which I said last week was the best weapon in the format, and I still stand by that. It is um, two Justice Primal, plus two, plus two, Endurance, and then Spellcraft three, play Shield Bash, um, and it's a weapon. Even though it's an uncommon, it's one of our sort of top drafted cards so far. One deck that, and I think that we got in, had three of them, which seems like a really good way to win in this format even though you know even though it's an allied color so next to each other you know um huru is actually we've had quite a lot of um huru based decks so i think this it's just a good card so i just wanted to talk about how it's a good card yeah yeah it's carrying some of these decks like you said that like one of the decks i was gonna jump into was actually a deck that didn't look particularly special except for triple linebreaker shield (laughs) it's just they well you know they removed all of the good spellcraft weapons except for linebreaker shield actually um yeah change you stick and welding torch and uh sledge they're all gone and this is the last one standing and it's definitely the your absolute best way to voltron up and your best way to trigger renown even in a lot of instances it's yeah. so good uh well my card is a much worse card but it's something that i i i played two of in the deck that i got seven wins with it's stalwart shield and that's the four costing justice shield that gives plus one plus three in endurance <clears throat> and i was actually having to use this in like an aggressive list <laughs> and it, it felt kind of necessary strangely enough like just probably because I, i'm not giving up on my baby yet the the weapon aggro deck i just always feel so drawn to to those that style of play but <clears throat> stalwart shield is like one of the, <laughs> the remaining tools i have left so i feel like forced to run it but i just wanted to 
shouted out as a card that um, is playable enough. You know, you you need to sometimes it can make your list and be pretty powerful, especially if you have some of those cheap flyers and stuff. Um, like the deck I had had Loyal Watchwing and even Valkyrie Cadet, the one that gets double damage when you're wielding a weapon, and it had an Aerial Spotter and a Huntsman, and you know that when you have enough cards where weapons matter and weapons are doing well stalwart shield can step in and help you out like i had a double valkyrie militant another card that doesn't look spectacular but you just can put a shield on it and you have a three four flying or three five flying endurance unit which can just be enough to win a game I, i i'm getting my wins in Whatever, whatever works. I don't think that was, you know, ideal by any means. But um, sometimes you got to put a stalwart shield in your list. Yeah, I mean, I think stalwart shield was always a little undervalued. Uh, maybe mostly because there were so many other good weapons. But yeah, I think a one three endurance, you know, you is just it's good in a lot of different decks. It's a very versatile sort of workhorse card i think you know because like if you're in a more defensive deck having that endurance is great and even in an aggressive deck you know a weapon's a weapon and the fact that your unit can now block and maybe help you win a race is pretty good too yeah and they they added some new quick quick uh draw units to the format as well and with with those guys, Stalwart Shield is great. Uh, you know, like the two one gunslinger and mm-hmm. things like that. Like you throw a Stalwart Shield on it, and it's attacking and blocking really well. Um, <clears throat> I I just I, I think that it was like you said, it was a little undervalued or before it wasn't spectacular by any means. It occasionally made a list, but I think that it it suddenly has become <laughs> a, a actual. Uh, critical piece to a lot of these decks that are struggling to find weapons to trigger renown and stuff too yeah that's that's card of the week and now we'll get into the exciting stuff right yeah the seven win run breakdown so first we'd like to thank everyone who contributed this week our new contributors are agent dynamo Bellin, brian r colton s daniel c gradiusic Jonathan M, Cassandreth, Mike H, Soul Donut, Tim J, Captain Cookies and Cream, Jeff W, and Eris Elite. So quite a few new contributors this week. So thank you, everyone. Our veteran contributors are Fang Warb, Man and Mouse, Me, Raven Dragon, Ruben, Rofer, Paul N, A Boss, and E Money. I think what we're going to do here is I'm going to just review um, some of the the overarching patterns that we're seeing. Um, Like we said, we only have 28 deck lists. So I think none of this will be definitive, concrete advice. But we just wanted to start pointing out trends and pointing out cards that are doing well for the listeners to keep that in mind while they're drafting this week. And then hopefully next week we get another... um, you know, 20, 30, 40 deck lists to add to our lists, and we'll have just more and more data. Last week, we made some bold claims. We said fire was on its way down. Shadow got a lot of buffs and was on its way up. 
And then we thought time, while lost a lot of good cards, also gained a lot of good cards. So that was probably going to be up there. But so far in our 28, um, out of the 28 uh, decks that we got, the format is looking very similar <laughs> to what it was. So Fire is in the lead with s about um, with 65% of decks having Fire. Then next is Primal. And then last place, like always, is Shadow. And then with the color pairs too, very similar. Fire Justice, Fire Primal are top two color pairs with the other sort of supported color pairs. You know, and then everyone else is sort of in the middle of the pack, which is interesting. Um, except for Time Justice is our worst color pair so far with only one deck list having Time and Justice in it. <clears throat> to me, the most surprising thing uh, up front is the lack of two-faction decks. Because I, I was kind of anticipating, you know, like Yetis and some of those decks, or even just Praxis Sentinels being competitive. For, just from seeing how much tribal stuff they were adding. But it seems like people are still, like what's actually performing and picking up wins are decks that are s splashing, uh, especially for extra powerful cards here and there. Yeah, and uh, to speak on that point, only three of our decks are straight two color, while nine of them are two colors with a splash, while 14 are straight three color, and we have um, two Brave Souls uh, with four color decks. So yeah, like you're saying, it is. It seems like the three color decks are still where it's at. It's what people are drafting with, and it's what um, the people, you know, people who are sending their deck lists are are winning with. I mean, part of that could be a could still just be a holdover where people are used to drafting the three color decks, and I think you know probably on average the people who are sending deck lists in are people who draft a lot of Eternal, and so they still might be sort of fighting um, old habits, which is why we're getting, you know, they're good drafters, but they're drafting sort of like like the old format. And so we're getting just up front, we're getting more three-color decks, and maybe that'll change as the format matures. But like I was kind of saying um, in the beginning, that's kind of how I've been drafting, where I've been drafting decks that look very, very similar to... Um, my old decks, except without strangers, and worse fixing. Yeah, I think we were talking earlier, and I, I kind of feel like you're you're able to draft decks that have similar power level, but just a little less consistency. Like it, it looks like we don't have nearly as many like seven ones and seven O's as we had before. I'm not sure if that's actually true, but I had a couple drafts already that felt like they were seven win drafts, and weren't particularly better than i mean that happens in every draft format there's variance involved um but it felt like you i had to just get lucky at some point to actually get the seven wins <laughs> Where, whereas I, I felt like maybe a little more with the previous format i could put together something that felt consistently powerful uh, mm -hmm. if that makes much sense we're done to bring back a, a thing we had been doing uh you want to review a couple of these decks oh yeah let's do it that's that's super fun, especially now that, you know, there's, we just don't even know what we're 
looking for <laughs> in the format. It's, it's kind of nice that you guys are all out there doing hard work and sending us your results. Um, so the first one I wanted to look at was uh, Graduisic. This was a deck that looked really cool. It had the three Linebreaker shields. Fire, Justice, and Primal. <clears throat> He's got, you know, decent units. Got Imperial Loyalist as a... Not quite a bomb, but just, I feel like, a notch underneath a bomb in the right deck list. And tri the triple Linebreaker shield, though, really just puts... <laughs> all this whole list over the top because you know copper hall marshals and fire hall heart recruits he's got one of though each of those and a lazy fire main like none of these are spectacular without a pretty solid or powerful weapon to put on them the two sort of new cards that i wanted to call out is um copper hall marshall which i think is quickly becoming like one of my most dreaded cards to see across the battlefield. Absolutely. And um, also Cloud of Ash, which is, you know, another way. It's just like another game-ending option, sort of with Frostwave or Maddening Whisper. It, um, yeah, it does play a pretty similar um, role as Frostwave. Yeah, it does have a Frostwave here, which is much better than Cloud of Ash. Yeah, well, uh, Frostwave is a, a lot more versatile, so that you you know you can play it on defense too, or you can, you know, you can use it in a lot of ways. While Cloud of Ash is literally, I'm going to try to win the game this turn. Let's play my Cloud of Ash. Yeah, but sometimes it's it's it makes the list. I'm I'm not always super excited to see Cloud of Ash unless I feel like my deck is very proactively aggressive and. This, I think, counts, because he can even use Linebreaker shields aggressively and stuff to really push damage through. And has double Oni Samurai and two Bannermans. And, you know, has some two drops and three. It has a good curve out. So those are the type of decks where Cloud of Ash is playable. I think you want to avoid it if you're doing even the, <laughs> anything slower or grindier or, you know, relying yeah. on frost talismans or anything like that you don't want to have those cards in the same deck we have to talk about one of uh, agent dynamo's decks since they gave us four of them so what way to go they're already figuring this out i and one of the ones i wanted to look at was pretty cool it's a tps deck so an aurelian deck that just had some really amazing stuff so they they have a Teacher of Humility and a Torgov's Trading Post, so they got some pretty cool rares and stuff, but just tons of two-drops. And uh, having two Bannermans, a Curator's Spear, a Dusk Raider, a, one of the Longshot Marksmen, that's the 2-1 the quick-draw gunslinger, mm -hmm. um, double Nocturnal Creeper, man, it's just two Yeti... Oh, no, one Yeti Snowslinger, three Yeti Windflyers... Um, and a slope sergeant to go with those guys. So yeah, the the curve of this deck is just like tons of twos, and then just bounces right up to uh you know Magus of the Mist and a couple power breach sentinels and stuff. This is decks like this can really work if if your cards are good enough. You know, like your two drops are high impact enough. Like Nocturnal Creeper can land and trade with big things, so it's the type of two drop that's not a. Uh, something you don't want to see late game and top deck. So mm -hmm. the, so a lot of these two drops also 
are just good later or mid to late game. Like Dusk Raider also Marksman gets upgraded at, at six power. Um even the Yeti Wind Flyers having triple those guys to just win the game. It's cool. I, I like on turn four just the philosophy of being able to play two two drops versus just one four drop is sometimes good, but that that only works if the two drops are good. So. Yeah. Well, what's nice, and I hadn't really been this that, that kind of solidifies in my mind a lot of things I've been thinking about this format, and you know, because again, last episode I talked about how it seemed like without the strangers, the um there were going to be a lot fewer two drops. And so maybe more aggressive decks would be effective if you could get them. And I've kind of found that to be true. And some of these two drops, like you're saying, are just like so impactful and helpful in furthering that strategy. You know, like Nocturnal Creeper, it's a great two drop, but it also has Nightfall, which gives you another card, which will probably be a two drop so you you know you're even more likely to be able to double spell later because nocturnal creepers helping fuel your hand same with dusk raider and then there's the yeti wind flyer which best case scenario um and if you have enough you know is a locust which was one of our best performing cards in the last format and so i've been so far having a lot of success with a lot of two drops and a lot of flyers there seems like there's a lot fewer flyers so like cards like Locus or a triggered Yeti Windflyer are like able to just like get it done because your opponents don't have like a lot of answers to those. Yeah. Yeah, I like and also this looking at this deck also kind of helps with thinking about um when you're doing the math for some of these tribal connections like we talked about how many yetis do you want to get that Yeti Windflyer to be good enough and i think the answer is you don't need not as many as you might think like he, he's got you know three wind flyers one snow slinger and one slope sergeant to go with them and that's pretty much enough i'd say to make them work it might not be super ideal but <clears throat> i mean you only need to draw you know one of the others it's so it's your chances of drawing two in one game are quite good even with just having five of them yeah um, and i guess you know a wind flyer without the triggers still not bad because it can still get the trigger later it's not like tribute or something you don't miss out um the the ally buffs happen whenever you play your allies so um it's like a one one for two with the potential with with an easy potential to become the two two later so yeah, the, these types of cards are... It's crazy having to get used to playing with them again because it's not something that we're used to dealing with. These, And I know a lot of people are super stoked by tribal, tribal drafts. Um, I know that like, like set three particularly wasn't very exciting for a lot of people. Um, but I don't think this is quite as weird or as bad as that was, in my opinion. Because it, I don't think your your hand is forced into going heavy tribal one direction or another. Yeah, yeah, I think that's They've left the, us a lot of options. Yeah, and I also think that you know, pack our defiance is just the cards are strong enough that you're not forced to use the tribal cards from the curated pack, which is nice. 
It's funny. I feel like now that the orders switched, I'm always so I'm like so much more excited to open a defiance pack now. Cause after like pack one, I'm just like, Oh, I have no idea what I'm doing. And then I open my defiance pack and I'm like, Oh, look at all of these powerful cards. I can do <laughs> anything. You're like, it feels like the draft is starting now. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. So what's my deck actually going to be? Cause all I've drafted so far is just time cards or something, you know, that's, yeah. that's how it's felt like for me. I've just drafted one faction, that first pack just about, um, or, or gone the complete opposite direction and picked every single faction. I don't know. It's, it's hard, but yeah, whenever you open up that defiance pack, it usually feels a little better. Um, and so that was Dynamo's deck. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that that deck was just super slick and powerful and had some bombs and stuff too. Um, the next one I wanted to talk about is really going all in on the uh, <clears throat> tribal mechanics. Uh, a boss, a boss sent this to us, and this is just straight Praxis with quadruple Scourstone Sentinel, and that is the the nine power seven eight overwhelm with bond and this card was back when it came out <laughs> was a, a monster in that draft format and i think it's gonna prove itself to be the same in this one especially when you you get some of the cheap high attack uh sentinels um like even he had a surveiller which is Surveiller is a card that I, I feel like went from, you know, eh, you, you're okay seeing a Surveiller to it being one of the more top um, pick commons in Fire now. For me, at least, uh, I think that it because of how it interacts with these Bond Sentinels, because they even added some Bond Sentinels at like the Uncommon slot and stuff too. Um, so the, they travel in packs. <laughs> like we, we were looking at our statistics on our seven win spreadsheet so far and it was like top commons this scourstone sentinel was like our number three it was just because there were tons of copies in like two decks or something right yeah was... exactly there's 12 there's been 12 copies of scourstone sentinel but one deck had four copies this deck you're talking about and then another deck had three copies so that accounts for seven of the 12 in just two decks yeah, they're they're scary together. Um, but they were running, you know, two pack beasts, which is an interesting card that I feel like has found a little more of a home this time around in the new format. Because it just because of how much more broken your top end has gotten with these, especially this specific strategy, the Sentinel uh, bonding deck. So, so I think something like Pack Beast, which before you almost always just avoided because horrible top deck most of the time, and just the the ramping didn't feel like it mattered too much, even when it was uh, possible. Whereas now you're you're trying to ramp really quickly into like, you know, he's trying to go Surveiller, Infused Guardian, into a quick Scourstone Stone Sentinel chain reaction, <laughs> and it's pretty easy to pull off all you got to do is it's not a hard combo to figure out you just play high power lower cost sentinels into really gigantic bonding ones um and pack beast kind of helps you get there a little bit uh and they i feel like they, this deck was a little bit low for me on those early sentinels 
because they they only have the, the one surveiller and one infused guardian and a stone shell walker and a power breach sentinel so so they only have the one four drop sentinel and the one five drop sentinel so the 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 party's not getting started too soon consistently with the scour turns um but they do they did make sure to fill their deck out they've got double scorpion which is a card that can <clears throat> sit there and play good defense until your sentinel plan takes off um so yes scorpions and sentinels are good friends i suppose also season spelunker is a just fantastic card in any time deck i think and the mm-hmm. one of those uh double sandglass parma also worth very much worth noting because it both ramps and plays defense really well which is pretty ideal it I think, you know, we were talking about those Sentinel ramp decks, like the one my brother drafted several episodes ago. And I feel like this this is a little more swingy, powerful uh, payoff for that style of drafting. Um, so I actually think it's gotten a little better <laughs> if you're looking... If you enjoy ramping into giant Sentinels, I, I think the new curated packs have given you some very solid... Uh, payoffs now yeah um, the card i wanted to um to point out is pompous historian which i i imagine has gotten a lot better not only because sentinels are a supported tribe but also because with bond you know sometimes you probably just want to dig for a sentinel because you have this you know if you're stuck with a scour stone sentinel in your hand that pompous historian is letting you dig for some way to eventually bond it, um, which seems very helpful. Yeah, so, that that's a good point. It'll help with the consistency of these type of decks a lot more. So the next thing that we wanted to talk about were some of the top commons. Just thought it'd be fun to sort of compare the top five from the end of last format to the top five that we have so far. Obviously, we don't have enough data for this to be for this to mean much, but it's still interesting because there are a couple, um, you know, overlap cards, and then there are a few that were obviously um, not not here before. Previous top five commons to remind everyone: number one was Carandon Steward, number two was Conflagrate, number three was Bannerman. Number four was Coastal Beastmaster, and number five was Token of Instinct. And so far, what we have is number one, Bannerman, number two, Granite Acolyte, number three, Seek Power, number four, Scourstone Sentinel, and number five, Token of Honor. I, I think uh, the fact that Bannerman is number one is not a surprise. <laughs> nope. Yeah. And we talked about it um, sort of when we talked about uh, the last format where we thought the fact that Bannerman wasn't number one was kind of surprising. Though, you know, Bannerman could get replaced with Strangers. So if you were able to find on-color Strangers, you might not need the player Bannerman. While now... Well, you might not need to even draft the Bannerman before. Yeah. (laughs) So it was a matter of, like, playing one over the other. It was just... The bannermen weren't on your radar as much or as often, whereas now it's absolutely like the top common for every deck just about. Yeah, I agree. Because <laughs> you're still wanting, as we're seeing, it looks like people are having lots of success with three faction and 
Bannerman's almost the most critical part of that deck. It and we're seeing what the number is. We're at twenty four Bannerman in our twenty eight decks. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get those, snag them as soon as you see them. I, I'd say I'd take them over most cards right now. Actually, that potentially even some uh, removal in some situations too, which I'm not used to saying. But and that that's a good point to. Um thing to point out is that there's 24 of them so the next card granted acolyte there's only 12 of them so there's a huge gap between one and two so far yeah um, Ac- acolyte i think is an interesting one it got a little better because they added copper hall marshal and the other two drop gl- gunslinger the exhausts so there's yeah. some more weapon triggers that matter with acolyte and uh he can curve out really strongly with some of these new additions yeah, and we said like all the good weapons are gone. So if you, if you <laughs> want to trigger renown, you know, Granite Acolyte might be your best bet if you're in fire. And like we said, fire so far has been doing pretty well with the decks. So it makes sense that Granite Acolyte is number two. Um, then Seek Power number three, not surprising. Um, Scourstone Sentinel is kind of interesting. It's our only sort of tribal card that made the list of the you know of our top 15 cards it's the only tribal card really that made the list and i think it's interesting because i i think it's going to stay up here but it's going to be one of those feast or famine cards where it's it has so many because decks that want them want a lot of them yes and it's, it's not just a generically powerful card per se yeah, you're not going to be just throwing it in every deck that has time in it. You're, but yeah. when those sentinels do come together, <laughs> it, which I don't think is hard to pull off, to be honest. So I think that this card's definitely going to stay close to the top of this list as we get more deck lists in. Actually, yeah, um, just because I, I I actually drafted a a Combray, um sentinel deck that was really strong. I, I ended up going one and three, of course. But uh, <laughs> it was a really cool, like, ramping Sentinel deck that had, like, three of these, too. And, yeah, I think that that you don't you don't even need to, like I said, be you could be in any co- combo of time and, you know, Elysian or, or Praxis or anything and make the Scourstone Sentinel plan uh, go off because there are quite a few Sentinels running around. Yep. Um, and then Token of Honor was our last, last one. one. And that's... I'm not sure if there's any reason that it's Token of Honor this time and not Token of Instinct. There yeah. are there were quite a few Ixton-looking lists. Yes. I mean, in Linebreaker Shield, you need to pick up your Token of Honor to yeah. make that work. <laughs> it's true. And the other uh, uh, interesting sort of um, just housekeeping thing is, and I hadn't realized this last week, is... The curated packs have a lot fewer cards in them. So the card pool of the curated packs are much is much closer to the Defiance packs now. I forget the exact number, but previously there were about as double the number of cards in the curated packs, and now there's about the same. So we're going to see oh. a lot more curated pack cards um, do well in just raw count because 
you're seeing a lot more of them than you did in the previous format. You know, like Seek Power. You know, Seek Powers are almost twice as common because there's just so many fewer cards to pick from. Interesting. Maybe that they were thinking that that was uh, necessary in order to make the tribal decks a little more plausible since you know there's only so much tribal support in eternal <laughs> yeah like they they might have been thinking it could be the same size and then realize oh we don't actually have that many tribal cards to throw in so yeah. if we just reduce the number of cards all together we'll increase their power level a tiny bit yeah and this was actually once i realized this it didn't it was like another reason i was a little nervous you know, because you had actually made an offhanded comment, I don't remember if it was in the last episode or the episode before that, about how you loved the fact that the curated packs were so big because it, like, added a lot of spice and variety to draft. And then they just, like, cut the curated pack size in half, like, the week after you said that. So, I mean, well, again, we, we have no idea where the format's going. And I've been having, like I said, a surprising amount of fun, but it is another thing to note. All right, and we won't dive into too much more with the statistics until we have more deck lists. <laughs> yes, I, I think there we ha- there's a couple things that we could talk about, but it's it's really just too early to tell. Um, so yeah, thanks for sending all your lists in, everybody, and keep it up. All right, so shall we move into our draft? Yeah, let's do it. Pack one, pick one. Uh, cards of contention. There's an iceberg mason which is uh, two primal, two three, summon, move each yeti in your deck, one card closer to the top. There's a dusk raider, which is the two primal, two two, inspire, units you draw get berserk, summon, nightfall. There's a dragon breath, and there's a copper hall marshal, is a, a new card in the draft pack, which is a three justice, three three, ultimate, when you play a weapon on Copper Hall Marshall, stun an enemy unit. I took the Dusk Raider. So what do you think? Uh, yeah. I think Dusk Raider... Some people really like Dragon Breath to an extreme degree. And it could be argued that the power level of that card is maybe slightly higher. But it's it's really hard to turn down a, a high-utility... Two drop <laughs> that doesn't have extreme influence requirements or anything at this point, and I, I think there's a reason why Dusk Raider's so powerful and constructed as well. It just it can cause the game to kind of run away for you, especially if you draw flyers and stuff off of this and give them Berserk. Your clock just gets crazy. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that was a good pick. I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't actually take Dragon Breath over it. I just think that that would be probably the closest thing to it here copper copper hall marshall is a solid card but it's kind of replaceable yes like as a three drop i mean it's replaceable as it's a very it's a very good three drop but i think uh your your two drop slot the power level of those cards is very important yes all right cool so i took a dust grader so then um pack one pick two Cards of Contention, there's a Fencing Master, which is the 3 Justice, 2-2. Two, two. Ultimate, when an enemy unit is stunned, play a plus 3, plus 3 Gem Blade on Fencing Master. There's a Hellfire Oni, which is the 4 Fire, 3-3. Three, three. Um, ultimate, when you play a weapon on Hellfire Oni, play an additional copy of that weapon on her. 
There's a long shot marksman, which is the two shadow two one quick draw that gets bigger. There's a seek power and there's a dispel. And yeah. I took the seek power. He didn't mention burnout. The I, four fire uh, sacrifice a unit to deal five to an enemy. I think yeah, they, I, that's a new one, right? I, that is a new one. In the I, I, I've uh, drafted that in in previous formats and. If you have the proper, you know, swarming deck, if you get scavengers and stuff, I think that card is quite powerful, actually. Um, so I, I think it's something to keep your eye out for in the future. I don't know if I would pick it over a Seek Power, of course. I think Seek Power is, <laughs> with the lack of fixing, is just so critical for getting your game plan up and running, so... Yeah, I I like that pick just for consistency's sake. And it's a great early pick. You know, you're not certainly heading down any specific road just yet. Yeah, and I don't think there's any, like, super powerful cards in here either. You know what I mean? So Yeah, no, I agree. I, I actually think Burnout is maybe the pick for me behind Seek Power, though. Mm -hmm. Just because of its impact on the game. It kills just about everything in the format. Right for four power and you know a piddly one one or a rat or something yeah until you face the four copies of scourstone sentinel oh god <laughs> <laughs> all right uh pack two or pack one pick three uh cards in contention there's an amber ring which is the three time once per turn you may pay three to play a one one explorer there's a finest hour and there's a yeti wind flyer and also a, a Wild Rider, which I like. And um, Val Valkyrie Militant. I kind of like that card, too. The 2-2 oh, yeah. Flyer for 4. Yeah, um, you and these uh, dinky Justice Flyers. I, I, I'm a big <laughs> proponent of taking ugly-looking Flyers and winning the game with them because all you need is to get com the combat math in your favor on the ground. You know, play like a 2-4 into their band of 3-2s and 2-2s and you're just going to win the game eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but but, it, but it, I don't I wouldn't take it over a finest hour. Is that what did you end up going with? I finest took the hour? finest hour. But I would take the Yeti Windflyer before I took a Valkyrie Militant. Okay, I think that's probably fair though. Yeah, I like Windflyer a lot and um there's another Yeti in this pack so maybe I don't know, it's still the only pack yeah. pick 3 so it's still a little early but but I do have a Dusk Raider also, say, if the Finest Hour wasn't here. That's True. kind of like... But I think just in general, I would, you know, I don't know. Yeah, no, you're right. Windflyer is just better than Militant in general. I agree with that. But Finest Hour is, I think, an easy pick that that card is. It's like the one card that screws up combat more than anything else because not a lot of people are playing around the one power combat trick. Yeah. I myself, I, I myself don't enough. <laughs> I, yeah. I I kind of like run through all the possibilities in my head when I see one power open. I'm like, okay, so it's uh, just finest hour that blows me out here. That's literally the only card I have to worry about. And then they have it, and you're like, oh god. Yeah. Well, and it's a card. One of those cards where there's like a lot of the time there's nothing you can do about it. So you just have to make them have it. Yes. And then of course they have it, but you didn't you, you can't feel too bad about the decision because there was nothing you could do about it 
Though yeah. it is scary because now, like I said earlier, you know, finest hours are twice as like they're twice as likely to have finest hour now. Sort oh, of. No, that's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this is uh, pick four uh, cards in contention. Um, there's another dispel. There's a first shot rioter, which is um, the three fire three two gunslinger ally get plus one plus one. And there's an unpredictable outlaw. And I took the unpredictable outlaw. Just wanted another two drop. Yeah, another two drop. There wasn't really anything. You know, the only primal card was Cobalt Ring. Um, and the only um, Justice card was Showdown, which uh, I, I don't know how I feel about that card yet. So It's it's uh, not super good. I yeah. think it's it's fringely playable. It, it's the type of card you don't want to be wasting time on in pack one, I think. Um, especially yeah. with early picks. Yeah, I, I think the general rule of just when you're early in your draft, having like a three drop and a two drop at similar power levels. Because I think the, the Rioter or whatever, the three two ally that gets a plus one plus one um, is maybe s- slightly more powerful. Um, mm. than the outlaw, except for the fact that the outlaw is a two drop. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I like that pick. That's probably what I would have gone with too. Just keep keep the deck looking efficient and streamlined. You got Dusk Raider, Finest Hour, and now an outlaw. Um, those are that's always a critical part of the deck. Is what you're doing in the early game. All right. So then, cards intention for uh, pick five. There is a Skycrag Banner, there's another First Shot Rider, and a Yeti Spy. Um, and then, yeah, there's not a, it's not a great pack again. Um, I guess there's a Town Watchman also, which I think is a fine card, but I was kind of hoping that my deck was... I was feeling a little bit more aggressive to be considering that really here. And I took the Skycrag banner. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. That's pretty straightforward. I mean, the first shot rider is the only other card in contention for me. Um, and for you, I guess that's the only one you named. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's close. I, it just depends on your style, too. If you're um, expecting that you're probably going to want to be splashing at some point um the banners just great and you know banners with the absence of strangers now i think their value's gone up a, a hair so yeah i think that then that's part of what i was thinking is first off because so far in my first four picks i have three different colored cards um so i was like okay well i'm definitely going to be sp- probably you know splashing something at this rate and then like i said the fixing is worse so banners have gone up in my mind yeah and i don't know and And, and, you know you can always find another three drop like first shot rioter is replaceable whereas banner is Mm -hmm. uh yeah hard, hard to even put a value on it for certain decks yes so then um next uh for pick six, cards in contention, there is a final shot rioter, which is the four shadow two four gunslinger ally deadly. 
There is a Steady Marshal, which is the one justice, one, two, gunslinger ally. Play a plus one, plus one weapon on Steady Marshal and a strength of many. And I took the Steady Marshal. Yeah, it looked like, you know, gunslingers have been kind of open. Yes. For sure. I think that, that I'm sure that's where you were going. You were like, well, you know, I feel like I've seen a common guns, a decent common gunslinger in the last four packs. Um, it. It's it, this is tough. You didn't man, uh, mention foraging sauropod. That that card in in the dinosaur deck is is pretty great. But uh, I guess you don't have to mention it because your deck isn't even remotely dinosaur based. So <laughs> I just like talking about that card because it's exciting to me. Big yeah, old I big old bonding brontosaurus card because it was just like I was like oh ten, ten cost time. <laughs> and... Oh yeah, no, I think when this in this what was the set this came out in was set it set three, three? okay yeah i think it was and it was one of my favorite cards to draft because you could pick up a lot like the four two dinosaur for four is also in the format and stuff so it was just really easy to slam this guy down on turn five or six and he just took over the game yeah um but yeah this is also kind of close between strength of many and steady marshall but yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I haven't played much with Steady Marshall in a long time. I'm having trouble even remembering how often I played with him because a 2-3 for one is really solid, but sometimes it just doesn't happen, and you're yeah. just left with the 1-2. <laughs> I, I agree. You know, the reason I kind of went with Steady Marshall is, instead of Strength of Many is just because I already had a Finest Hour, so I was like, well, I don't want to just be picking buff spells and no units and i think i'd rather have a final shot rioter but because i have the dusk raider i don't know i thought the dusk raider was better than the final shot rioter so i didn't want to i didn't want to go and turn it to fjs just yet yeah well this is the first pick i think i'd disagree and, and i i say i, I would have taken the strength of many just because it's power level is much much higher so the the potential for you know picking up like focusing more on units later yeah. is good i i don't think the fact that you have a finest hour is a reason not to take it here because like my limit on how many combat tricks i want in a deck is much higher than one or two yeah <laughs> uh, i like sometimes three or four even like it i like playing them a lot because i feel like it's it gives you a lot of room to uh break the game open for your for your team yeah, and this is actually, this is probably why you're a better drafter than me, because um, this is the one of the picks that, in retrospect, I wish I had the Strength of Many <laughs> instead of the Steady Marshal, because the Steady Marshal didn't even make my deck. So then, um, pick seven, and usually we don't do this, but I just wanted to mention it, because uh, cards in contention uh, that weren't really contention are, there's a Moon Dial which is the three-time-time summon Nightfall. Once per turn, you may pay five to draw a card, which is maybe one of my favorite cards. And there's a Time-Worn Sentinel, which is a pretty good Sentinel card. And then as for cards that I would like, there was only the Town Watchman again and a Rakano Banner. And I took the Banner because I got a little nervous because all of those aggressive gunslinger cards uh didn't show up for this pack 
Yeah, I mean, we looking back at the packs, it was definitely there wasn't much time coming early mm-hmm. at, at all. You this time didn't become an option, and then suddenly with that that when you pick the steady marshal, that was the pick that were you got a foraging sauropod and the um what's the excavator? Yeah, the serene excavator, the, the sentinel ally flyer. That card is really strong. Yes, um, surprisingly strong because it's just with a sentinel at some point it's a two three flyer for three which is yeah. just a really great rate um so i think suddenly seeing those late in the pack does sort of like <laughs> maybe put into question whether or not you should be time and then seeing this next pick it, it gets even harder the fact that there's a banner though it's really hard to change directions <laughs> though i gotta say your deck isn't looking particularly broken anywhere like you have the one dust grader and the finest hour those are the most powerful cards yes in the deck so far so i don't i'm not sure how set your direction was to avoid your your favorite little moon dial there but like we talked about earlier banners seem to be really good just in general so even if you got to the point where you're trying to splash for say that finest hour other some other may find us our plus some other justice cards the banner is going to be much more critical um and moon dial is a double time card so that's diving headfirst into time kind of so i would you have taken the banner i feel like yeah probably with the with how few you know without the strangers in the format especially i i I really like feeling secure with my influence requirements yeah, and then uh, pick eight, just to let everyone know that we made the right choice. Cards in contention, there's a Rune Crawler Yeti, there's a Yeti Spy, and there's a Stone Scar Banner. And so I took the Rune Crawler Yeti, and I feel like I see this card late often, and I don't understand, because it seems so good. It is, Yeah, it's really good. It kills any attachment, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, like That's any, got- any, any relic or anything. It's super flexible. Its abilities really, really frequently relevant, and it has that extra ability when it hits the enemy. Enemy player gets plus one power. I've I've never found that that mattered so much. It was more that it was a um a two two that you know it cards like this in in Magic the Gathering draft were always pretty good from time to time in draft as well when artifacts got really strong or something and ruin. Ruin Crawler Yeti hits even more stuff because it's hitting all the weapons and everything. It's just really good. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't know why you see it so late. It's a great card. I know. And uh, Ben left us a little note here saying that he's also shocked because there's nearly no relic removal anymore in the draft. And so the cards that he says there is the Rune, Call- Rune Crawler Yeti, there's Meltdown, and Display a Vision are the um, in Ijin's choice are the only common and uncommon and then there's uh, a bunch of rare plus ones spirit of resistance siege breaker sarasaur bull cat burglar and banish so that is a thing to note is that there actually is not a lot of relic or attachment destruction anymore so keep your eye out for when it comes all right so i uh filled out the deck with not a lot of any more great cards, but I got a heavy axe, a barkeeper's friend, and a felon banner. 
Yeah, heavy heavy axe is a card that's I think gone up slightly actually. So you're that's good getting one of those later. Yeah. <clears throat> Just because I mean welding torches and stuff were always your go-to for any type of weapon aggro or renowned deck and stuff. And now now that they took all of those toys away, we got to use slightly uglier toys. Mm-hmm. Okay. So cards in contention. Uh, this is pack one or pack two, pick one. There's a display of instinct, which is the three fire time primal deal four damage, put a one of your units in your hand and gain its gain its health uh, or negate an enemy spell. There's a resolute monk. There is a token of honor uh, on color token. There's your favorite card, Unmoored Valkyrie, and a Fall Short. So there's a lot of cards that, you know, there's a couple cards that are good for us in our colors. We were seeing a lot of time cards at the end, and there's a lot of good time cards, too, with Resolute Monk and Display of Instinct, which is mostly on color plus time. But then there's also a Dizo's Office, which is (laughs) seven Shadow Shadow. Sight, your units have lifesteal and Dizo's agenda. You play scheme, threaten, and cut ties. I like, How the, I like the way you, you save that for the end. <laughs> like, by the way, Adizo's office. So I just picked that. Yeah, I did I, just pick that. I would have just picked that too. Okay. For sure. I would that is an absolute slam dunk bomb of a card. Yeah. Um let's you And take I over already the have game. a fel, felon banner. Thinking ahead. Nice. That's right. That's even better. You know, it's <laughs> this is the type of card that you can change directions for. Yeah. That's there's not a whole lot of them, but this is definitely one of them. It, it's a card that's incredibly powerful and constructed. Even I frequently play it because <laughs> I love it. I think it 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 stabilizes the game for you in a lot of instances. It just kind of like almost wins the game on the spot, really. If they can't deal with it quickly, you if you get to play two, you the you know the cut ties and the um, scheme, you've basically won the game. It's really hard to imagine losing, and it turns into an unblockable four six. I mean, holy moly! This... All right. So next pack uh, pack two pick two cards in contention. There is a sudden schism. The four primal primal fast spell. Play a copy of one of your units. There's Ruben's other favorite card, Seraph's Beacon. There's a Frost Talisman. There's a Coastal Recruit, Power Breach Sentinel, and a Fireheart Recruit. I actually took the Fireheart Recruit here, which I don't think is the most powerful card in the pack. But I do like Sudden Schism, but I was kind of scared off for two reasons. One is, so far, all of my units are not very good. And then two... Dizo's office currently being my splash color, I was really worried about adding too many double influence, other double influence cards just yet. And then last week I said Frost Talisman goes in any deck, and then Ruben said, oh, but it doesn't really go into fast, aggressive Ixton decks. So I was like, well, I can't take a Frost Talisman because Ruben said that. And so I was left with Fireheart Recruit. I know, but... but... You just picked up a Dizos office, so now you're tr- now you're playing for that late game. I, I mean, 
it's it's really that it's it can flip that quickly like I, sometimes a draft can change directions it's yeah it's kind of it's rare because a lot of times it feels like your your game plan kind of you you f- start trying to figure that out early mm-hmm. um, but but sometimes when a opportunity like Diesel's office is presented to you i i don't know this is a really tough pick actually because not many cards in here really looking particularly useful to whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. Which is, which is still uncertain. Like you, you took that steady Marshall, but you know, the gunsling and the unpredictable outlaw are only two gunslingers. So maybe, you know, you could start thinking FJS gunslinger ish list, mm-hmm. but that's, you know, not as good as just, uh, trying to gum up the ground or play blockers into a Diazo's office or something. Try and take a more dis- defensive route. Mm-hmm. Um, Fireheart Heart Recruit is obviously a very not defensive card, though. So it's tough. I prob- This is the type of pick where I would like get up and go to the bathroom and <laughs> get, a, get a glass of water and be like, uh, like, purge my mind of it for a second and come back with fresh eyes and probably still have no idea. So you just took the Fireheart Recruit, though. I a, did. Because you I, already had, though not very good fire cards, you already had four fire cards. Yeah. But I don't think Barkeep's Friend really even counts, because you're probably not wanting to play that. No. Heavy X as well as not looking... Particularly great. No, I think only Ruin Crawler Yeti is my, is my only good fire card. I'm just going to close Eternal and walk away and... Yeah, Ruby play, wants play to see the next movie. pick before he decides about the last one. Can I do that? Oh yeah, just scroll down. Okay, I, mean, are, I know that's involved. the thing is there kept being good time cards, but I I just couldn't make the plunge. Well, yeah. I can't disagree with you if I can't say anything else. So, um, pack two, pick three, cards in contention. There's a display of honor. Which is the three fire justice primal. Give one of your units plus four plus four lifesteal. Draw two weapons from your void or transform an enemy unit into a two one goat. There's a parry, there's a Carindon steward, and there's a barrel throw. And I took the display of honor, which again, this was like a really tough pick for me because I just got the Diza's office, and Carindon steward is one of the best shadow cards. Uh, parry is a great primal card. But display of I have cards in all of Display of Honor's colors, so it seems like I should just take the display. Yeah, this is tough. I don't know how much better Display of Honor is than Perry. P- Perry is being a little cheaper and doesn't have the crazy influence requirements. It's pretty solid. Um, I don't know. It's it's close between that and Karen and Steward for me. Because I, I would I would really have trouble not keeping my eyes on that Dizo's office as just a way to get free wins, basically. Yeah. Um, and I think all of the factions are deep enough to get there, right? So it's 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 not like risky to move into shadow. Yeah, yeah. To me, I don't know. No, I agree. I've had I've been having a lot of luck with shadow, even though it's our worst performing deck as far as the decks that we've received so far i shadow has in a lot of my draft has seemed very open and i think it's because people 
are maybe a little scared off of shadow because by the end of last format it was the worst color maybe yeah so i took the display of honor here and two picks in a row ruben's no comment no, I'm still on the back on the last pick, sitting yeah. there staring at like frost talisman or something. But yeah, I don't know. That's that that's tough. I I I think two drops are awesome, and I think moving in the shadow is a good plan. So Stewart's looking pretty solid here. Yeah, no, I agree. So then, um, pack two, pick four, uh, cards in contention. There is a sadistically, there's a display of knowledge, there's token of ambition, scorpion, and mischief yeti, though probably never, you would never take that. And so there's not a lot of cards that fit my current deck, except maybe the token of ambition to help me splash my Dizo's office. How are you going to say sadistically as a card in contention after our bad card segment? Uh, well, that was partially a joke, but also because oh, you said you're okay. just picking every shadow card you see. You're just baiting me. Yeah. Okay, I see. No, I like Token of Ambition here. I think that was a, a smart pickup. Pack two, pick five, cards in contention. There's a Coastal Beastmaster, a Mighty Strikes, and a Storm Spiral. And I took the Coastal Beastmaster. I think that was probably the correct call. Yeah. Because the other two cards in contention are also primal. So you're you're looking at a primal pick here one way or another. And Beastmaster's, I think, definitely stronger than Storm Spiral and Mighty Strikes. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that was an easy pick. Okay. I debated about the picking the Mighty Strikes a little bit. But I say I used to say never pass a Beastmaster. Okay, so now we're going to move on to um, pack three. I'll just go over my unit count right now. So right now I have a Steady Marshal, Dusk Raider, Master Cartographer that I picked up. I picked up an Oni Forge Master, an Unpredictable Outlaw, Fireheart Recruit, Rune Crawler Yeti, the Coastal Beastmaster, and then an Asantha's Outrider, though I don't have any relics yet. Um, picked up a Crystal Dirk. And then I picked up a bunch more fixing. I don't know. It's like it's forming a deck. It's not a great deck yet, but it's doing something. It's it's looking like Shadow wasn't really all that open, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was also... I mean, they, we did get past that Carindon Steward, but yeah, it wasn't super open. But Shadow was also very not open in pack one. Yeah. It was... There's like zero shadow options. I, I think our cards in contention had almost no shadow cards for yeah. the entire first pack. So, okay. Still doesn't mean I wouldn't take that Dizos off. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Uh, so, pack three, pick one. Cards in contention. There's a bear arms, there's a mob roll, there's a token of ambition, and a court mage. And I took the bear arms. Yeah, I like that pick. Yeah. There's nothing really more to say. I think that's... Uh, everybody knows Bear Arms can, like, run away with the game if you've played yes. with it or played against it. <laughs> All right, it's it's so, a terrifying card to see from your opponent. So pack three, pick two. Uh, cards in contention. There's a Skycrag Scalebreaker, which is the three primal primal, three three. Fate, create, and draw a Skycrag Goad with Flying Renown, plus two attack. 
there's a token of knowledge and a coastal beast master. And so I took the Skycrag Scalebreaker. Pretty easy pick. Yeah, that card's great. Yeah. It's very strong, and your primal's looking pretty solid. At this point, it's almost looking like you are Skycrags potentially splashing Justice or maybe Shadow. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's, this, it, it, it's hard to get the influence requirements to work properly for that. Yes. I don't have... Yeah, so then we skip to pack four, and... By the time I hit pack four, yeah, I'm definitely solidly Skycrag. My only justice unit is that s- stupid Steady Marshal that we talked about earlier. <laughs> and in pack three, I was able to pick up two Iceberg Shiny Finders, a Courier Albatross, another Cartographer, a Huntsman. So a lot of... So Primal was very open in um, pack three. And then so pack four... Pick one. Uh, cards in contention. There's a rally, a barkeeper's friend, and a dragon breath. And I already have a barkeeper's friend, so that's probably not worth picking <laughs> up too. Um, and there was an extinguish if the shadow dream is still alive. And I took the rally. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think dragon breath is better than rally. Yeah, I just, just in, in most scenarios. Yes, I agree in a vacuum, Dragon Breath is better than Rally. But I was like looking at my units, and all of my units had like two or three, <laughs> two or three attack. So I just felt like Dragon's Breath maybe wasn't at its best. And I was once again looking at my units and seeing like a fair number of two drops and three drops and thinking that maybe this was a Rally deck. I can see Rally then. If you're really. It also looks like you were probably thinking heavy Skycrag at this point. Yes. Um, just barely splashing for like Finest Hour and Beastmaster at this point. I, there's So, yeah, in that type of list where you're just trying to really swarm out and rally, it looks. Yeah, rally looks okay. I still think I take the Dragon Breath just because I think it's. You know, even you even like having a fireheart recruit deal three damage to something is good enough to yeah. make it. And so that's all the picks that we're gonna go today. But um Ruben, I guess, can describe the deck list. Um I still don't know. <laughs> you you still put the Dizos office in. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. I mean, okay, so you had two Stone Scar banners, an Argentport banner, and a Felm banner. Okay, I mean... And a token of vision. I and have... a token of vision and a seek power. So, I don't think it was as greedy as... Like, I saw it initially and just laughed. Like, I couldn't help myself. But looking at your power, you, you do have enough to make it workable. Um, yeah. It still is a double influence requirement splash, but at least it's such a late game card that it gives you time to get there. Um, get yeah. there and look for it, and you have two cartographers to help you dig and stuff. Um, just yeah, when you play your games, be careful not to ditch a shadow influence. Yeah, and I, you know, the other thing was I was so heavy Skycrag that um, my justice is also just a splash for Coastal Beastmaster, Bear Arms, and two Finest Hours. Oh, I guess and the Display of Honor. So maybe it's not like a splash splash. Um, as far as our spreadsheet's concerned, but 
you know, none of them are like key early drops per se. You know, they're all just like play them as soon as I get a justice. I have a lot of justice sources because I have nine on color non sigil power cards. But I do think that maybe I went a little crazy <laughs> with the with the power cards and um, could have used a couple more playable cards in place of them because I still had to, I ended up being a little light on units and had to run one of my barkeep's friends, which I don't think I really want. I have to run a Crystal Dirk, which is not great. And the Dizo's office doesn't really fit the plan of this deck, which is a very sky craggy deck. It looks pretty aggressive and low to the ground. I mean, yeah, you're running Rally. Jeez. Who'd have thought Rally and Dizo's office could go together? Yeah, I, I think given given your game plan, I think sticking with the Dizo, the one Dizo's office to champ a bunch of off color banners in your deck is a little is a little greedy. I'll say that much. Yeah. I, I, I don't I don't know. I I'm sure other people can chime in and would disagree with me on that yeah this that looks sketchy considering your deck is looking kind of low to the ground yeah too like you're you're trying to win off of fireheart recruits and shiny finders and stuff early and with with some cheap weapons too and do you get double finest hour yeah i think you you were already doing pretty good so but i, I can see what you mean about like if you could going back in time and taking like just a basic playable instead of a banner a couple times. Yeah. Cause th this deck could have still been quite good. Well, you haven't played any games yet. Have you? Uh, I've lost one game. Um, okay. But I don't know if that was, that wasn't Dizo's office's fault. <laughs> Let's just say that. But yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, banners, the thing about banners, I think people think too much of them as basically always being undepleted, which is not true at all. Like, like they're very much constricted. That that if you're trying to play one of your t two drops like on curve, a banner can really mess you up sometimes. Yeah, and so I think we'll see. I'll play one more game for science with the Dizo's office, and then and then probably take it out. I was just so excited to get so many power cards that would let me splash a Dizo's office that I felt like I had to, even though it doesn't fit with the game plan of this deck at all. So I think that's it for our show. Um, once again, a reminder to give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Uh, and we have a review this week. I say, that, I say to give us a review every week, but I don't check every week. But luckily, I checked this week because this week, um, Alex M.A. gave us a review on iTunes. And they said, I enjoy your approach and your methodical analysis. You don't go too fast, but neither do you discuss anything ad nauseum. You guys are all you guys also have a good sense of humor. Please keep it up. So, Thanks, Alex. Yeah, thank you. Um Luckily, Alex doesn't have to listen to all of Ruben's rambling that I have to cut out of every episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you come on, you know you edit as much of your own ramblings. <laughs> no, it's joke. It's uh, it's a, it's a running joke about I put in s snippets of us talking about 
talking about the replicator deck, but I have yet to actually put me talking about replicator deck into this podcast, even though I talk about it every single episode. It's like a mythology building around your replicator <laughs> deck. But is actually, this deck not, actually good? No is one, it just a meme? What's what's the deal? No one's ever heard me talk about it because I I cut <laughs> I cut that ten minutes out every single episode. I feel like it's all I ever hear. <laughs> all right. All right. That's the end of our episode. Thank you for listening to Farming Eternal. And uh, remember to send in any seven win deck lists you guys have this week to farmingeternal at gmail.com. And remember to keep on farming. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>